0: Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you about some things that I have written and said publicly recently in connection with the Women's March that took place right after the inauguration of Donald Trump. I think some very fascinating things are happening, and I have a unique perspective on them, and I want to share them with you and also issue a challenge to the women who are listening to this podcast, and I'm so grateful for all of you. I have said publicly many times that I am a Christian feminist, or I have said I am as much of a feminist as I can be and also be a Christian. Um, or I've said I am as, as much a feminist as a, as a Christian can be, something of that nature. I say it in a variety of ways. And what I mean by this is that as a Christian who reads scripture in a way that understands that women have vital leadership roles, I'm eager for women to have vital leadership roles in our society. I can't wait until there is a noble woman president. I'm delighted with every woman uh, who is in Congress or in the Senate. In fact, I actually work with a great many of them in what we do in our consulting firm, uh, our, our media management, media training firm. We've worked with many women. Uh, I have personally worked for female clergy. Uh, I encourage female clergy. I find nothing in scripture that prevents women from being prophets, prevents women from being pastors, prevents women from being in leadership roles. In fact, uh, behind the scenes, many of the male leaders I know in the Christian church will say that the women are some of the best men we have in the Christian church. Uh, I think that some of the uh, old school, uh, definitions. Definitions about women's roles, I should say limitations on women's roles, are a misreading of scripture. It's a misunderstanding of first century culture. Uh, It's just a lack of recognition of what... Uh, scripture teaches, so I'm not here primarily to fight those battles, those theological battles. Because every Christian church, every Christian denomination should should choose for itself. I love my Catholic friends and disagree with their stance on women, uh, and I love my conservative, uh, fundament- more fundamentalist friends, and I disagree with their stance on women. It's fine. We we are going to get along just great. Uh, this is not an issue over which I'm willing to uh, you know cease to be friends and break up the unity of the body of Christ. So, when I hear about a woman's march, uh, I'm with most of their objectives. I think there ought to be equal pay for equal work. I'm in favor of maternity leave. Um, I'm in in favor of unbelievably strict laws that protect women from sexual abuse. If you listen to this podcast, you've heard me go off about the statistic that indicates that 20% of the women on American university campuses are sexually abused. I've addressed this with males. I've addressed this with fathers, I have called for change. I have put this squarely on the men because obviously it's men doing that sexual abusing. I believe that if a man does, as Donald Trump described during the campaign, actually it was a video that described it, and, uh, and inappropriately grabs women between the legs. I'm talking about not in an act of sex that's agreed to. Um, I think they should be uh, committing a federal crime. I think that sexual abuse of that nature uh, should be a federal crime. And and I could go on and on and on. So I am as much of a feminist as my Christianity allows me to be. Uh, I am as much of a feminist as I perceive perceived biblical truth to be. And therefore, by the way, as I perceive God to be. <laughs> and re- believe me, uh, I'm a conservative, reformed Christian. I just think the church has been misreading scripture. But What I want to say to the women who are listening, and I know some of the women who are listening were engaged in uh, the, the March for Women that occurred, and I celebrate your freedom to go do that, and I'm grateful for you. But here's what's happened. I could not have joined that march, even though I hold all the stands that I have just declared. And some of you now are scratching your head going, well, gosh, if you believe all that, Stephen, why couldn't you have marched in Washington? And the reason is... Number one, I am pro-life, and somehow in our recent history in America, to contend for women, to champion women, to call for equal rights for women has become bound up in advocating for abortion. And I want to say as a political consultant and advisor that this is a horrible move on the part of the women's movement. Uh, it, It is a horrible move. Because almost half the country is in some form, in fact, slightly more than half the country is in some form pro-life. And what it means is that a movement that ought to be noble and ought to be about uh, women and ought to be about future generations of women and ought to be about protecting rights and protecting women sexually and guaranteeing workplace uh Benefits and all those things that I've already spoken about. Somehow, if I step onto the street to advocate for women at the Women's March, I am also advocating for abortion, which I believe is actually an assault on women. You know, statistically, it's usually worldwide girls, female babies, that are aborted, particularly in a country like China that has had a one child policy up until recently. So, I'm an advocate for women, I consider in a specific way, in a, in, a, in, a, in a very devoted way, that does not want girls to be sacrificed in the womb. But I therefore am put in a position when it comes to the women's movement where I can't join it. I can't join the Women's March, though the majority of its, of its cause I could advocate for, um, I can't join it. Because somehow to advocate for women in this country, to call yourself, even as I do it, a little bit of risk, a Christian feminist, is to be made or to be perceived as pro-abortion, which I emphatically am not. And that's not because I want to tell women what to do with their bodies. It's because I believe that the child in the womb is a human being, that this is a separate human being. And if I could make it so that to a couple conceived a child and that child, you know, grew outside of either one of the bodies, the mother or the father, I would do that. But that's not the way God designed it. it doesn't change the fact that the child in the womb is a separate moral, spiritual, legal being, uh, according to scripture and according to the Western legal canon. And nobody designed this as a way to oppress women. This is simply the way a combination of Christian theology and the Western legal tradition, uh, the inheritance they gave us. So Number one, I could not step on the street to support the Women's March because I'm not pro-abortion, and that movement has become one with a pro-abortion movement. That movement has become melded together with Planned Parenthood. It's become melded together uh, with an assault with part of the war on the unborn, and I grieve over that. I can't tell you how much I grieve. Over that, I want women to have health care. I want to see funding for women's health care. I want to see benefits given to them on the job. I want to see maternity leave. I want to see all of those types of things. Can, can I not advocate for that in this society without having to, according to the, uh, the women's movement, without having to advocate for a war on the unborn? Well, apparently I do. Um, I even advocate for that part of Planned Parenthood that actually provides medical care for women, but not abortion services. Abortion is the taking of a human life. And so the the melding of those two is not only a moral uh, conundrum for for many of us, um, but it is also politically unwise for the women's movement because, of course, it removes about a half of Americans. Who are in some form pro life. And the second mistake that the women's movement has made is it has made uh, women's rights and made the women's march and made the cause of women bound up in some way with um, sec- sexual libertinism. I mean, I'm not even going to repeat in this podcast because there are young people who listen to this. um, The things that were on the signs, the clothing people were wearing, but we all know that this women's March of this past weekend, which had many noble claims uh, in it. And uh, certainly I understand it as a reaction to the immorality of Donald Trump. uh, But the fact is, that it also became an advocate advocacy uh, for sexual freedom of a kind that the majority of Americans wouldn't share. It became advocacy for a kind of a crassness, a nastiness. I, I know that word was used to buy Trump and I don't use it in the same way. You know what I mean? I'm talking about cussing. I'm talking about vaginas, people wearing gigantic vaginas. I'm talking about signs that advocate for every kind of sexual position as though it's the very core of what it means to be a woman to engage in those positions, I think I see women in a higher and more noble fashion, and I'm saddened that they a march for women that was legitimate and that needed to respond uh, to where Donald Trump was and what he had said and how he conducted himself um, was bound up with such ugliness, such crassness, such vileness. Uh, I don't need to have a woman dressed in in, in the the costume of a vagina uh, to get the point. It's not about primarily vaginas. It's not about primarily breasts. It's not about primarily bottoms. It's about rights and protection and nobility. And I'm already one to your cause, but now I'm distanced by it because I can't advocate for the war on the unborn, and I won't engage uh, in support for the kind of sexual crassness and libertinism that the women's movement has become merged with. And so, what I want to say is not just for me, but for my daughters and for my daughter and for the young rising and for uh, women everywhere give us a women's movement. That is not part of a war on the unborn. Give us a women's movement that people like me can join. Someone who's already an advocate for you. Someone who's already there. Someone who doesn't have to be one. Uh, someone who who is already engaged uh, in, in many of these av- somewhat avant-garde um, rights that are are needing to be more widespread in our society. Uh, give me a movement that I can be proud of. Give me a movement where I don't have to walk, uh, between a costume person in a penis costume and a person in a vagina costume and a, and a person who has a clitoris hat on. Yes, that was actually worn in this last March. It's unnecessary. It diminishes you. It's not a movement that's going to propel people into elected office. You don't go from wearing a pussy hat directly into Congress. People understand that there's a disconnect. And here I am. I'm an advocate for almost everything you stand for. So my broader point is we need to stand for the rights of women. We need to fight sexual abuse on college campuses. We need to guarantee certain rights and absolutely equal pay for equal work is just is just common sense and it builds a fair society and there are dozens of other things like this. But here I am advocating for all of this and I can't join the women's movement that has arisen in this country. I can't be an advocate for it because it has become one with other immoral trends in our society that will not ultimately serve women well. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men,